My name is Bill Crockett, and this is Touch of the Master's Hand. Thanks for joining us today. Hello again, everybody, and thanks for joining Touch of the Master's Hand. My name is Bill Crockett. We are on part three of a three-part series entitled How to Know What's Right When It's Not Black and White. And we're basically talking about how do we know what the right thing to do is whenever you're in a situation where right and wrong is gray, it's questionable. Um, So we've been going through some principles. And yesterday, we went through the first four of eight principles that talk about um, how do you make a decision about right and wrong. And these eight principles all come in the form of a question. So let me just remind us quickly about what the first four were, and then we'll get into the second four today. So principle number one, will it glorify God? And remember, the word glorify means to give the right opinion of. So will it give other people the right opinion of God? Principle number two, what impact will it have on others? We think of others before we think of ourselves. Principle number three, will it cause a weaker brother to sin? Could I actually be the reason why someone who's not as spiritually mature yet actually offends their own conscience and and commits sin and lives in um, a, a period of guilt and unrest that God doesn't intend for us to live in? And then principle number four, what is the benefit? If I decide to do this, what is the spiritual benefit of me doing this? So today, let's look at the second four principles on questionable things, and we're going to begin with principle number five, and the question here is, has God given me peace? Now, what are we talking about? What is God's peace, and how do I know if I have it? How does he give it to us? So let's look at some biblical principles that will help us answer these important questions. First of all, God's peace should help guide all of our decisions. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. The word rule, R-U-L-E, in the verse, in this particular verse, in the Greek language, means to be an umpire, to decide or determine, to direct, control, or rule. Literally, the verse says that we should let the peace of God umpire our hearts and be a major factor in our decisions. In this way, the peace of God helps direct and control the path of our life. Now, the word for peace is the word that gives the idea of quietness or rest in contrast to anxiety or worry or unrest in our mind. This is a state of mind that's void of turmoil, a calmness in our minds. In decision-making, this comes from being confident that the decision we are about to make is what God wants us to do, and therefore we trust God with the outcome. When we reach that point of trust, God grants to our heart a peace, a quietness, and a calm about our situation that can't be explained by human reasoning. 
Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Now listen to verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When God grants us this peace, it will guard our heart and mind from making a bad decision based on the anxiety we're experiencing or the fleshly desires that we may be having about the situation. We trust God with confidence. And and by the way, this is very important because many people have made a hasty decision or an unwise decision during a storm in their life without the peace of God. This kind of decision, (coughs) excuse me, this kind of decision can send us on a detour in our life that can be extremely painful. Listen to what the Bible says about guarding our hearts in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. (coughs) Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. God is reminding us that our heart and the condition of our heart is what determines the decisions we make. And in turn, those decisions map out the course of our life. So it's incredibly important that we let the peace of God umpire our decisions, especially when it comes to questionable things or situations. Listen to Romans 14, verses 22 and 23, as it talks about what we should do relative to our weaker brother. Romans 14, 22 and 23. You may believe, in other words, Paul is saying, you may have the peace of God about something based on your own personal knowledge of the Bible and your own personal relationship with the Lord. And maybe God has given you peace that whatever in question is not wrong. However, it may not be the same for someone else. So the Bible says you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. Now, what's he mean there? He means don't nullify the peace of God that we have because we are convinced that this is whatever the issue is, is okay. But don't nullify that peace by causing something we believe is okay to become something that is now not okay because we're causing a weaker brother to sin. Verse 23 says this, the next verse. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you're not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. So when it comes to questionable things, especially in relationship to a weaker brother or sister in Christ, the simplest test for this principle is this. If there's any doubt, then don't do it. Whatever this questionable thing is, it's not so important that it's worth causing another person to sin. Now, just a reminder that we're talking about things that God does not directly condemn in the Bible. These things 
are not in question. If God directly condemns it, then, then we know the answer to that question. But we're talking about things where the answer is not clear. The principles we're talking about have to do with those things in life that are not necessarily wrong, but can become a stumbling block for another person. So, principle number five, has God given us peace about the decision we're about to make, that it's okay? Principle number six, is it controlling me? This thing that I'm trying to decide, should I do or not do? Is it controlling me? Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Paul says we shouldn't let anything control us. And the assumption is accept the Holy Spirit of God. We shouldn't be controlled by anything in our life except God's Holy Spirit. Listen to Ephesians 5.18. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me see if I can explain this to you. The word filled in this verse means to be completely full of. The analogy here is that we can find peace in being completely full of wine or alcohol, or we can find our peace in being completely full of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. When we're completely full of the Holy Spirit, then he controls what we think, how we think, what we do, etc. God controls our life. We make decisions based on what we believe God wants, not based on what we want. However, when we're controlled by something else, like alcohol or a fleshly desire that we want real bad or peer pressure or anything else other than God, then we tend to make bad and unwise decisions. When it comes to questionable things, we must ask ourselves, if this thing we're wanting to do or participate in is in control of my life, can I say no to it if it's not what's best at this time? If I can't say no, then it's in control of me, and it's wrong to continue to engage or participate in that activity. To illustrate this, let's use a familiar culprit, alcohol, as an example. Listen to these verses in Proverbs about the controlling power of alcohol. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. The Bible says, wine produces mockers and alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray or controlled by drink cannot be wise. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 29 through 35. Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? who has bloodshot eyes. It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns trying out new drinks. Don't gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations and you will say crazy things. You will stagger 
like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mast. And and you will say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. I didn't even know it when they beat me up. When will I wake up so I can look for another drink? In this passage of scripture, God is obviously describing someone who is controlled by alcohol and drinks to the point of drunkenness. This is clearly a person who should have nothing to do with alcohol. They're not being controlled by God, but by the alcohol, and they're making bad decisions because of it. When deciding if something is right in questionable situations, we must consider whether it is controlling us, or in Paul's words, we are becoming a slave to it. The next principle has to do with with the situations we may be putting ourselves in. Principle number seven, will I be tempted to do wrong? In the case of a weaker brother, we don't want to do anything that may tempt him to sin or do something that will violate his conscience and create guilt because he believes it's wrong. The same principle holds true for us. We should not put ourselves in a situation where we may be tempted to sin. With that said, let's talk about how we're tempted. Listen to what we're told in James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. And I remember when you are being, and, and please remember when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. God tells us that temptation comes from our own desires. We must be honest with ourselves when it comes to those things. We have to know what will tempt us to do wrong, whether it's a place, a person, a thing, an activity, etc. James says that we are tempted when our desires for the wrong thing entice us and drag us away, literally, from thinking about what God wants. All of a sudden, now we're thinking about what we want. If we stop, if we don't stop there, it's going to give birth to actions. We're not only thinking about it, we're actually going to act on it. And when that happens, sin takes place. If that sin is allowed to continue, James says it will eventually destroy our lives. So how do we handle temptation? Well, first, we realize that no temptation will be allowed to come into our lives that God will not provide an escape plan for. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. In every temptation in life, God will provide a way out so we can take so we can endure it and not give in to sin. So what's the catch? Well, that's the second thing about overcoming temptation. That is, we must take God's way out. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 13, verses 12 through 14. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes 
and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness, or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living, or in quarreling or jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. You see, when making decisions about questionable things, we've got to consider whether or not it's going to put us in a position to be tempted to do what's wrong. If so, then it's wrong for us to do it. It may not be wrong for someone else who's not tempted by it, but if it creates a temptation for us, we must say no to it. That brings us to our final principle. Principle number eight, would God disapprove of it? When I'm trying to decide if this is right or wrong, would God disapprove? Our main goal in life should be to please God in all we do. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 29. Jesus said, and the one who sent me is with me. And he's talking about God the Father. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Jesus said, I always do what pleases God. And we should too. Romans 14 and verse 6. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. They want to please the Lord. Colossians 1 and verse 10. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. The final principle is a simple one. Would God approve of it? Will he be pleased by what I'm about to do? When confronted with a questionable situation, We've got to ask ourselves if God would be pleased. If not, then we shouldn't do it. As we grow in our faith and mature, the answer to this question will become more obvious in these situations. So when it comes to questionable things, follow these eight principles to help you decide what to do. One, will it glorify God? Two, what impact will it have on others? Three, will it cause a weaker brother to sin? Four, what is the spiritual benefit? Principle five, has God given me peace? Six, is it controlling me? Seven, will I be tempted to do wrong? And eight, would God approve? I hope these principles will help you as you seek to live a life that pleases the Lord in all that you do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us once again the Bible to teach us how to live and do what's right. May we live by the principles of the scripture and make wise decisions in every single aspect of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for joining us on this special three-part series in Touch of the Master's Hand. I hope it will be beneficial to you and that you'll grow and become stronger in your faith because of it. God bless you, and we'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.